With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. This episode of Earn Your Leisure is brought to you by First Republic Bank. The world is changing and your needs are evolving as your focus turns to what matters most to you and your community. First Republic remains committed to offering personalized financial solutions that fit your daily needs. From day one, you'll be connected with a dedicated banker who will serve as your primary point of contact throughout your relationship with the bank. They'll be there to listen to you, understand your values, and meet you on your financial journey. Your banker can offer solutions that support your goals at any stage, from setting up a personal checking account, to refinancing household debt, to buying a first home. As your needs evolve, you can call or email your banker at any time for support you need because First Republic believes that what matters to you matters most. Learn more at firstrepublic.com. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Earners, listen up. We want to tell you about the number one online summit for small business owners who want to start, grow, and scale their business. It's the Real Social Proof Online Summit. There's never been a more imperative time than right now to self-educate. And being that the summit is completely online, you have the opportunity to learn from experts in numerous industries right from your home. It's a week-long summit from March 30th to April 3rd with over 60 presenters and 60-plus live workshops where you'll learn proven steps and methods to build a profitable business. And they have a special offer right now. That's right. Head over to www.realsocialproof.com, use the code EYL, and they're going to take 20% off your purchase. That's right. Head over to www.realsocialproof.com, use the code EYL, and they're giving you 20% off, y'all, and we'll be there. So you need to be there, too. The Real Social Proof Conference is brought to you by ecompaymentprocessing.com. That's E-C-O-M. Paymentprocessing.com, a full-service provider that provides unlimited payment processing, next-day funding, and a relationship that will help your online and offline business grow. So we did we did we did two interviews in Atlanta yesterday in our Atlanta headquarters for the for the week. Yeah, yeah. And um, the the second of the two was um, somebody that um, is doing a double hitter for us. They she did a, a podcast for us yesterday. Yeah, we took and now the time. She's doing, a, she's doing a live podcast for us today. So real estate, that's what you guys are here for. You all want to know about real estate. It's like. The new everything. Everything is real estate. Everybody's getting it. Everything is real estate. Which is good. Which is nah, good. That's a, that's a, that's we're, a very, we're, very we're good doing thing. a lot of other things. Kiana Watson is one of the top realtors in the metro Atlanta area. She yes, is sir. a top 5% producing realtor. 
Um, but the thing I like about her is that she's not only a realtor, she has her own firm. She's an entrepreneur. Um, she has a firm, Keanu Watson and Associates, and um, she's just really, really, really smart, dynamic person. And when we spoke to her yesterday, it was really an education for me. Yeah, definitely. Because, um, you know, we cover real estate a lot, but we never got it from a realtor's perspective. So she gave us a lot of game and insight, and I'm um, sure she's going to share the same um, today. So without further ado, Kiana Watson. Kiana, what's up? Hello, everybody. How you doing today? We're doing good. Good, good, good. Welcome back. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you, are you on? Yes, well, you... I was wondering why you were late. Look, <laughs> I'm a lifestyle agent. It? It's got to be a look. It's a look. Well worth it. Well worth it. I understand. I understand. We got it. We got it. It, it all makes sense. It all makes sense now. Well, yeah, we, we, <laughs> we looking like a, the African flag right now. No, no, no. Almost, no. almost. Black excellence. Yeah, yeah, it is. Excellence. It is. Appreciate you look. You look. You look wonderful. Amazing. Thank appreciate you. that. Look appreciate it. So, yeah, so um, once again, thank you for joining us, Back to Back Days. Cool. And, um, yeah, you know, we, we, we really just um, really, really enjoyed that conversation yesterday. Yeah. So we wanted to extend it. So first and foremost, um, you know, being a realtor, I think you have a unique perspective on real estate because you see it from a different angle yeah. as opposed to maybe a mortgage broker or maybe just an investor. It's like you, you're on, like, every side of the, the situation, right? Absolutely. So, all right, we're going to talk about realty and uh, we're going to talk about real estate but the first thing i wanted to talk about is the entrepreneur side so you were saying like when you started as a because you could have just continued to just be a realtor and work for somebody right but you started your own company and now you employ other people so what made you psychologically want to transition from working to actually being a boss the truth of the matter is i'm only one person the metro atlanta area is huge so when I first was moving around, if a lot of you guys follow me on social, and I used to have a little poster in my car, I'm going from Marietta to South Atlanta to Cascade. I go back up to Alpharetta, back down, just, you know, working with about four or five clients a day. You're doing that from 7 a.m. to like 10 o'clock at night. You're like, wait a minute. You know, I'm making money, but I can't even enjoy the money. I can't even enjoy the time because I'm always moving. So the reason I created Kiana Watson and Associates is like, Look, I need to make sure that I hire some people, some agents that are qualified, that are intellectual, that know what they're doing, because I got to refer some of these people out. Mm -hmm. And then on the, on, the back, on the flip end of that, that's a residual income for me, you know? Yeah. So that's the, that's the main reason for doing so. You, you, you train them, you get them out there, and now I have a group of women and I'm, I'm, I'm going to add some males later. I'm going to add some males yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. But I have a group that are able to get out here and service the client's real estate needs. And we're building genera generational wealth. That's the goal. Yeah, one of the things we, we spoke about yesterday a lot was systems and having those systems put in place. Um, was there an event that caused you to say, you know what? I, have to, I can't do this anymore. This is enough. I've had enough. Oh, absolutely. So I, I used to have, on, the, on any given day, I would have about six clients. I'm talking to maybe sometimes seven, depending on how much I can squeeze in. One and a half hours each person, 30 minutes to get to each location. So one day I'm out and about, and I got a client sitting at my office waiting for a consultation. I forgot. Mm. I'm out showing houses. I'm just running house to house. I literally forgot that I had this person waiting, and they, they were not pleased. 
I, you know, I'm, I'm apologizing. I lost that client. And by the time I lost that client, I was like, I got to step back. I need to create systems. I'm only one person and I'm doing a disservice by trying to be everything to everybody. So I wrote down my processes and I was like, it's, it's time for Keanu Watson and Associates. <laughs> <laughs> and that, hence the birth. <laughs> and hence the birth of Keanu Watson and Associates. No, that's, just, that's extremely important, especially for anybody that's interested in businesses. Having, we talked about that as far as McDonald's, right? Like you're a franchise owner of McDonald's. Yep. Nothing is, every, they have a 600 page book how you fold the napkins, how the ketchup should be placed. They have a system in place. All you got to do is just follow the system. Right. A lot of times, we don't. you got to run your small business, your life, like McDonald's. Like, yep. you got to have a system. You're just winging it. You're just going to just be flying by. The, and yeah. that, that's a perfect example. It's like, yeah. you're just winging it, and now right. you're, just, you're just making a bunch of mistakes, yeah. left you, and right. You yeah. make a lot of mistakes. Now, I think that a lot of times, as entrepreneurs, you get into business, and all the information is in your head. You know what to do. And you didn't think that in three years, two years, or even a year, if you're blessed and you just, you know, you blow up, that you may need to add people on. Mm -hmm. So I would say the moment you decide to join, become an entrepreneur, write down your systems. If your systems are great, write them down. If they're not, write them down so you can find the loopholes in your system to make them better. Because by the time you're training other people, you need to have your, you need to have your systems in place or they won't be great. And then it defeats the purpose of you creating the, the team. So Atlanta, we're in Atlanta right now, and uh, the thing I like, the thing I like about Atlanta, Atlanta like Houston, it's like when we was out there, everybody that we ran into was like, I have the the largest black dump truck company, I have yeah. the largest black sanitation, every, every, everybody, was everybody, something, everybody had the largest black, <laughs> largest black fish tank company, like you know what I'm saying, it's like yeah. every, every, yeah, it's like yeah. it's like it, the whole vibe is just really really encouraging. So, being that we're in Atlanta, we're going to talk about Atlanta specifically. You're a realtor, right? Right. Atlanta's blowing up. We got the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yeah. We got um, the Beltline, all the of that. Georgia Aquarium right Georgia here. Aquarium. What's the hottest? People want to invest, and they might want to invest in Atlanta. You're a realtor. You know the properties. What's the best areas in Atlanta right now, and what's the up-and-coming areas to invest in? Okay. If you're going to invest in Atlanta, you need to invest in Atlanta. You know we say we live in Atlanta when you actually live in Gwinnett County, when you actually <laughs> live in, in DeKalb County, you actually are not within the city. If you are looking to invest in Atlanta and you want to make a purchase, you need to purchase in town. Specifically, just because I know these numbers, if you're looking to purchase in town, you go into West Atlanta, 30318. That's the upcoming area. They have a huge West, um, West, West Atlanta project coming. The appreciation values are around 12% year over year right now. That's before the project is even finished. Go over there. The next spot I would say you want to focus on is, West, is East. East Atlanta is next, 30316. That particular area has an appreciation value right now. I was looking up the other day. I want to say about 8%. So you're looking at, that's just right now, before they continue to finish, before they finish building. So that's close to the city. You're talking 15, 20 minutes to downtown. And the next place you want to invest in is the city of Decatur, 30032 and 30030. Those are the two areas. They have a 21%, 21% growth in those, in those areas. And, the, and I say that to say those areas are gentrifying. Those are not, those are areas that are in transition. We need to make sure we invest in those areas because the next time they say, oh, you know, they gentrified our area. We couldn't afford it. I'm out here. I'm working with people every day. You can't afford to live in these areas. You don't want to. So face the facts. In 10 years from now, if you didn't invest in that area and now you can't afford it, it is your fault. 
All right, so in, in these areas, right, um, yeah. what are, uh, you said the, the inflation rate, not inflation, the appreciation, appreciation rate, I'm sorry, is that increased, is that public knowledge? And two. Some of it is. Okay. Right. And then what are some other indicators, right? If I'm moving to this area code, what should I be looking at? Because most time, I mean, I'm kind of like knowledgeable, but <laughs> most people just look at, yo, is the school district good? All right, I'm yeah. going there. Development. Um, you got to keep your eyes on the developments and what's going on in the area. You know, when you know what's coming up, that's when you know what's going to bring people. You know, I mean, cli the cliche thing to say is, you know, there's a Chick-fil-A, there's a Starbucks, there's a Chipotle. Something's happening, right? <laughs> Some, <laughs> now, but no, all jokes aside, I like to read magazines and I keep up to date with developments. If you go to Curbed Atlanta, you can go to different neighborhoods and see the upcoming developments that are taking place. You can see what, where the investors are putting their money. By the time, if you follow where the investments are going, if you follow where the development is going, then you can follow the trail of, okay, right now this place ain't hot, but think about the people that were able to buy in like the West End. Back in 2006, you could buy a whole house over there for like $10,000. Really, $10,000, $12,000. And if, those, if, if you had the foresight, when I first moved to Atlanta, then they were talking about the Beltline. So if you had the foresight to invest then and you can go back and sell that property now and make a couple hundred thousand dollars, See, that, so that's about having foresight and keeping your ears to the market. And you can do that locally. You don't need an agent. I mean, I want you to need an agent, but <laughs> you can just read up on the areas and, of course, find somebody to represent your best interest and make a good decision. Curbed Atlanta? Curbed Atlanta. Okay. Yep. That's a gem. Um, all right. So as far as a realtor, right, you, you're more than just a realtor because you help your clients, you educate them, right? And we was talking a little bit yesterday about like different mortgages, like 10-year, 15-year mortgage versus 30-year mortgage. And most people, you know, when you train, and nobody, you know, we work, work in class environments, um, we're not really trained about financial literacy. So it's like get a 30-year mortgage. Right. That's just, you know, it's common sense because it's lower payments, obviously, than a 15-year mortgage. But you were saying that that might not necessarily be the best idea. No, it depends on your long-term or short-term goals. If you're, you have to understand every property is an investment. Even if you think the property, you're going to be there forever, look at it as an investment um, because you can use that for several things. So a 15-year mortgage is different than a 30-year mortgage. And I see some, in, in, uh, on top of just the years in the mortgage, just the mortgage types. You know, you got FHA financing, you have conventional financing. Raise your hand if you heard about a first-time homebuyer program. Just please do it. I know you heard know about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So the problem I have with people forcing this narrative of first-time homebuyer programs, in our state is no such thing as a first-time homebuyer program. Let me debunk that myth right now. You have to meet certain criteria. There's restrictions on all of this money. Every single dime has restrictions. And to add to that, typically speaking, if you were to use the program, I don't want to say the name, but if you use one specific program in this state, your interest rate will be 5% even if you have a 700 credit score mm. because they charge you for that. Then on top of that, there's an upfront funding fee that you don't know about that's added on top of you getting that money. So by the time you think you're saving on that down payment and you didn't want to spend your $7,500, you have paid that and more just to kind of think you save. And don't try to sell the house within the terms. You can't sell it without paying that money back plus interest. Mm. So think about that and know, understand that you're never going to get something for nothing. Now, for some people, those programs do work for them. And I'm not here to judge. It's better than renting. But walk into everything with your eyes wide open and stop thinking that because you woke up today and you want to be a first time buyer, there's something out there to help you because it isn't. They're all going to take advantage of you, whether it be the interest rates, whether it be the terms of how you got to pay it back. There's one in one county where you can't sell the house for 10 years. And the one time that someone actually did sell their house, I know an agent. 
they took, they sold their house. They had to split the profits with the program. Mm. They made six figures and had to give half back because wow. they didn't read the fine print. Yeah. But had they used ten their own ten thousand dollars as their down payment, that would have been their profit. So while, so you know, I, I really encourage us to really stop, especially us. We think as we think we're going to get something because we're first time home buyers. We think it's like, oh yeah, they're going to give it to me. It's got a lot of red tape around it, and make sure you understand those terms. Yeah. One, one of the things you spoke about was yesterday, and it just stuck with me because uh, I know you do luxury properties. Um, but you said that's not always the best scenario for people who are coming into the realty game, right? Because but there was a triangle theory that you had. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So the triangle theory is this: you have a triangle here. So the most, the one percenters are at the top. Those are the ones that are going to be able to buy those luxury properties. So if I'm marketing myself to only luxury people. I'm only going to close a certain amount of deals. I want to eat every day, B. I'm not trying to eat <laughs> once every once a quarter. You know, that so, was the bill to uh, it. I thought you were from the South. Hey. Hold up. Wait Hold a minute. You know Y'all what? know I'm from North Carolina. We're kind of, kind of, You brought the paint in full shades. So she said, let me go haul them on them. I brought, paid, so, I brought the paint in full for PTG. We're going to talk about that. I, we're we getting to them. We're getting to them. <laughs> so my goal is to make everybody feel like you're having a luxury experience. Like, I'm not turning away anybody. If you're ready to sell your house, buy your house, let's work. You know, I'm working with all price points because I'm not putting myself in a corner. That's why I have Kiana Watson Associates. Let's make sure you get the same level of service no matter what. Because owning your property and building some wealth, buying an investment property as your first property. I had a girl, she still rents an apartment, but her first purchase was a duplex. I was down with it. Come on, let's do it. You know, you have to just make sure you're making a decision and understand that, you know, every, everybody starts somewhere. Go with, you know, and I'm not just trying to work with this 1% because, I, like I said. How many of them are there, right? It's a 1%. It's, that's <laughs> the top 1%. But yeah. the everyday person, that's, the, that's my real bread and butter. That's who really supports me. That everyday person out here just trying to get it. That's why I'm able to close the amount of deals I'm closing per month. And I'm happy. <laughs> so... That's very important as far as business is concerned is that a lot of times we focus on the top and it's, it's risky because there's, there's money obviously in focusing in people that have a lot of money, but it's a limited amount of people. So it's like, it's like a home run hitter as opposed to just regular base hitter. Like if you swing at home runs and you can consistently hit home runs, great. But you'll if you're striking out, out, you'll strike out a lot. Oh, take yeah. out the game. You'll yeah, keep yeah. Let's take out the game. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. You, you had mentioned that, um, the, First-time home buyer situation, right? Right. And you also talked about um, multifamily or duplex. Correct. So, what is your opinion on somebody that's looking to buy the, their first home or their second home or whatever? But mainly, let's focus on first home. Is it a good idea, as a realtor, your opinion, to buy an investment property first, maybe like a duplex, triplex, or is it a good idea just to buy a home where you live? It really depends on the person. Now, let me tell you that. In Atlanta, the last time I ran the numbers, because everybody wanted a house hack now. Everybody wanted a duplex. Everybody wanted a multifamily. When I was running just in the system, on the MLS, in a reasonable price point, so reasonable, anything less than 300000 we had 127000 That included states like places like Statesboro, out, well outside of the place. You get into the city of Atlanta, you start looking, it was 28. 28 duplexes. So there are opportunities where they need work. If you if you're the type of person you don't mind if you don't mind putting in a little sweat equity then let's go for it but just know that we don't have those type of multifamily opportunities in areas that some of my people are comfortable staying in let me just say that 
wherever you're comfortable, I'm comfortable. You want to stay there, I want to stay there, you know? <laughs> but at the end of the day, you have to make sure you're comfortable with that. So I would say, let's start with one, what's your, what's your budget and what is your long-term and short-term goals? Do you want to drive an hour and a half to work every day? If not, okay, then we need to adjust and figure out what's the central location for you. Because you can house hack in a regular house with a basement. You know, you don't necessarily need a multifamily to house hack. You, I had one of my, my sellers, he's ha- he house hacked a whole house each person was in a different room. They shared the kitchen. It can happen. So just look at the opportunity <laughs> and where you want to be. Because <laughs> uh, and part of that that the purchasing process is the closing process, and that is tremendously confusing. Who pays for what? Um, who's supposed to get money? Can you explain that process? Try to clear it up for us, because I okay. noticed so many people are like, "Wait, I gotta pay? No, they're supposed to pay." What? All right. You know, I gotta ask one more question. Who in here thinks the seller is supposed to pay for y'all to buy their house? Just raise your hand and tell me you don't have to be shy. Not exactly. <laughs> they don't. And um, that's what happens a lot. When you're buying a house, you have two parts when you're buying a house. You have your down payment. That's your skin in the game unless you use 100% financing or a down payment assistance program. You have your down payment. FHA, 3.5%. If you're looking at conventional, it's 3%. Home ready, 5% down or anything else, right? On the other side of that, that is your closing cost. That is your responsibility. That is you paying for the attorney's fees, you also pay for the lender to process your fees, your prepaid taxes, and in, in your, your insurance, your homeowner's insurance. So when you look at all those fees it takes to process your loan and get you to the closing table, typically, it depends on the house. We're looking, we always try to calculate closing costs at 4%, especially at the top of the year when you got to pay pretty much the whole year's taxes when you move into the property. So when you're looking at it from that perspective, you're talking about ten dollars to $11,000 on a typical $300,000 house just for closing costs. So that is your responsibility. You can negotiate some of that for this from the seller, but it's not their responsibility. If you're in a multi-offer situation, which I'm starting to see all the time now, I'm talking about 14 offers to one house. If you're the one that needs the seller to pay $6,000, $4,000 towards your closing cost, you're going to lose that offer. Hmm. So you just got to be mindful of the location. It depends on location. Everything is dependable. In certain areas, I feel like I know I can get you about $10,000, $15,000 from the seller because it's an area that's not in high demand. But let's just say you want this property in Smyrna. It hit the market. 15 showings, they got 10 offers. You're going to lose that offer because you need the money. So I'd rather be, you be in a position that you have your money saved or you find out how it's going to work. And it depends on the location you want to be in. We can always negotiate some closing costs for you, but this is technically a responsibility. So, you know, start saving. So, but you said the closing costs technically could be negotiated to zero. It, oh, it can. I mean, there's been plenty of times to zero minus your prepays. You are responsible for your prepays, which is your taxes and your insurance. You got to pay that. But they will they can negotiate it to zero. You know, I have I've had situations where I've negotiated for the seller and we have paid zero closing costs. Buyer brought their all money to the table. Then I negotiated for the buyer. And basically, you I've had people come to the table and get a refund after they've taken the money from your earnest money. So it just depends on location. Everything is area specific here. So don't think that overall you can't get any money, but certain areas they're just not going for. They don't have to. It's one neighborhood in Smyrna. They do not pay closing costs and they don't have to. It's too much demand. And it's other neighborhoods that are like that too. But there's other areas where it's like, I know I can get you some money because, you know, we don't have that many offers. I got other ways to finesse. It's a hundred things on the contract to really put you in a good light other than just the money. There's timing, there's contingencies. There's a lot we can do to negotiate on your behalf. But I just want to have you go into the situation with your eyes wide open. So when somebody has a deadline of when they're about to close, like that 45-day window, mm-hmm. I know my man MG always says, 
Do not buy a new car. What oh, are some yeah. do's and don'ts to, to do, uh, not do when you're about to close? If you're, a, if you're a spender and you like to use your credit card, don't. Stop using your credit card. Don't, don't even buy anything excessive. Like, this is your time to wait. Please don't go to Home Goods and, and Z Gallery, start furnishing the house before you get it. By the time you do that, you're, you're, using, you're using the cash that you have saved to close. And you never know each of your situations. Like some lenders, I have been in a situation where they want to see money in reserves. That means you don't necessarily need to use this money to buy the house. But because of something with your credit profile, we want to see that you have two months of reserves of the mortgage amount in your account outside of the money you have saved for your down payment. You start digging into that, you're, you're going to lose the property. You will be denied the loan. So don't spend. Keep your credit scores high. Don't put anything in your name for someone else and monitor any collections accounts that could come your way. This happens often. You have a, a bill that you forgot about. All of a sudden, it comes up. And it's a different, it's a different way it comes up. It comes up. Everything comes up when, they're, when you're buying a house. And then you can't buy the house because it pops up and your score gets low. So just don't do anything to mess up your financial profile. Get your credit together. Get your money together. And don't do anything until you close. You, get the keys the, first. The moment you close at 10 a.m., you can go buy the Ferrari at one. <laughs> so, so how it's a lot of people here that's probably interested in real estate investing and real estate investors themselves. And um, how? All right. So, what's your take on real estate investors working with realtors? Cause not you, but some <laughs> some people might feel Disclaim, like disclaimer. the realtor is always going to try to get some money out of them, and they're not going to give them the best deals. As you know, uh, you know, a real estate investor. What's I'm, your thoughts? I'm gonna be honest. If you if you want to invest, let's say your first property, you want to buy a twenty thousand dollar, thirty thousand, forty thousand dollar property, and the, but you also need someone to help you find contractors to rehab that property. You also want someone to give you all that. That means that you're looking for a project manager and a realtor, two separate things. So when you're working, when I work with investors. I want to figure out what is it that you need for me? Because if you need me to identify the properties and that's all you need me to do is negotiate the contract, I'm okay with that. But oftentimes that's not where the buck stops. And that's where the conflict comes in with realtors and investors because I'm not going to manage your project for the fee that I'm getting just for helping you sell the property. I'm going to need a fee for that too. Boss. <laughs> that's, that, that, Boss. that's different. You know? Can we talk about jumbo mortgage? Okay, so jumbo mortgages is if you're buying a property above the conforming loan rates. So when you have, you, there are people that are offering jumbo loans. This is, you get a $700,000 house. You want to get a million dollar house, $1.2 million house. You're going to have to get a jumbo loan. Um, and that being said, now if you have the scores at this point, you really need a 700 plus score. 720 really, to be exact. 720 score, you're going to get do 5% down and you can get a jumbo mortgage, which is basically, they're going to basically finance the first mortgage, then do a second one as a jumbo. Same time. So is there, is there a line that you have that qualifies as a home, as a luxury? I know in New York, it's ridiculous. Is there a line here in Atlanta? Well, it's funny you ask that. So I was just looking up um, um, with um, the luxury market. I'm part of like the Certified Home Luxury Marketing Institute. So I was looking at what the luxury threshold is for each county. So we're county specific. So we're Atlanta. We still ain't New York yet. So y'all, you know. Well, but no. so, for, <laughs> so for Gwinnett County, 500000 is considered luxury. Fulton County, 600000 is considered luxury. 500000 is considered luxury in DeKalb County. And Cobb County is 575000 So our luxury threshold is kind of low compared to other states. But for us, it's still high because if you can think into it, 
Right now, the average price point for the Metro Atlanta area is $325,000, where two years ago it was $275,000. So the prices are going up. Two years ago? Two years ago. Wow. Like two and a half, three years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. That means it's on fire right now. Yeah. It's on fire right now. Well, Tyler up. Perry told y'all to come down here and build your own table, and I'm so happy that you are. <laughs> so so one, 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 one last question. Um, you, you talked about the first-time home buyers um, that may not always be the best program. So, like... What are some programs that may be beneficial for first, like FHA, 203K? Like, what are, in your opinion? Well, in my opinion, if, I really hate to say the name of the program, but I guess I'm being forced to. In my <laughs> opinion, if you're in Georgia and you want to use the program, I would say use the Chinoa FHA 100% financing program because after three years, then you it's like a grant. It turns to a grant. You no longer have to pay it. Then you may want to use the community home buyer program because after three years, that one turns into a grant. I don't recommend the Fulton County Down Payment Assistance Program because they are the ones that take a percentage of your money. I highly don't recommend the Georgia Dream, although everybody loves the Georgia Dream. Georgia Dream has a huge upfront funding fee, on average the 5% monthly, and then they have a five-year plan on your property in which you have to give the money back. And I know everybody thinks they love the Georgia Dream. I'm going to tell you the real reason I don't like it. When you're negotiating with the seller, they want to close in 30 days. The Georgia Dream does not care that you were supposed to close in 30 days. By the time they get your file and they bring it back, on average, they close in 60 days. I've had two clients almost lose their earnest money. And I'm talking about two. I had to use everything I had in order to keep the deal together because the Georgia Dream was delayed that far. So I don't love the Georgia Dream because of that, because of the fees and hidden fees that are a part of it. So if, I, if you have to use a program, use that and then use that opportunity for those three years. Raise your scores. Make sure you save your money, get your credit right, and then refinance and get out of that as soon as you can. Get off that 5% interest rate, refinance it to a conventional loan program, and then get a lower interest rate. Hold, hold. The Chinoa FHA, 100%. Chinoa, C-H-E-N-O-A. You're welcome. And hold. keep in mind, real quick, that, that program was actually one of the programs, you know, if you guys don't remember last year, Donald Trump, they actually canceled that program for a, a little while and they had to come back and let this one come back on the market. So these programs are not around forever, but that one did come back. Chinoa. Whole lot of game. Whole lot of game for real. Whole lot of game. <laughs> Keanu Watson. Yo, thank, thank, you, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We got to take a picture. All right. So we got we got one more guest. We got one more guest. I guess they kind of gave it away, right? Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Um, I told I told them, I mean, you know, we we we. If you listen to Earn Your Leisure podcast, you know how big of a fan of rap music and hip hop and Jay. We quote Jay every time. So when I when every I chance we get. when we was Facetime and the other day, um, with our, with our guest is about to come on, and I told them like the Mariano or the Marriott. So <laughs> you know, I'm gonna decode that line. If you're a baseball fan, you know Mariano Rivera was one of the greatest so closer, greatest closers ever yeah. in history. The He's greatest. closer, closes the, the game. The greatest. So. Um, we got Jay Morrison, ladies and gentlemen, um, legendary, legendary figure. <laughs> Mr. Corner Class himself. Yeah, so Jay, as um, you know, if, you, if you're into the financial literacy world, um, especially in our community, you've heard of him. He's been around for a very, very long period of time. And like I told him when I met him, um, he was on social media doing it 
before um, most people that I saw, as far as like before it was really trendy to talk about financial literacy and stuff like that. Yep. Um, so Jay's, Jay's has a lot of different things under his belt. Um, he used to be a realtor. He's, uh, he was a real estate investor. He's the CEO of the, the historic Tulsa Real Estate we Fund. Gotta, we got to write this up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, has, um, he has Jay Morrison Academy. Um, he's also um, uh, an activist as well. Thank you for all the work that you're doing on that side. Yes, sir. Um, and he um, is a father, a husband. I see his wife. Shout out to here. my wife. Yes. Clap for my love, wife love, one time. Lovely wife. No, Queen Ernestine Morrison. They, they, they can't see the boots, but the, the boots are fire. <laughs> they can't see them, but the boots is fire. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. Great investment. Yeah. So, so, Jay, man, thank you for um, coming back. Second time. Yeah. Uh, thank you all. And um, can everyone give a big round of applause for EYL ATL? <laughs> nah, seriously. I mean, you know, I love festering in black excellence. Like, I'll kawallow in black excellence. I could just, like, just like, roll it on the floor right now. And for you all to um, use your platforms to show this city love. Y'all know I'm from up top, New Jersey, but yep. I've been here for three years now. And um, for you to bring so many folks out of like minds, like spirits, and all those about legacy and building wealth and all that, um, you know, I, I commend you all. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be here. You know? Yeah, man. It was nah, nah. real life. I appreciate life. that. Appreciate the first that. time we real met. Life. In real life. In real life. The first time we met was a few months ago, and it was very simple, man. And, and it goes kudos to you. We just sent a DM, and we were like, yo, everybody, our audience wants to hear you, man. They, we put out a poll like, who do y'all want us to get? And they said, Jay Morrison, Jay Morrison. And I was like, yo, let's just DM him and see what happens. So, 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 so was I uh, most requested? You were the most yeah, requested? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I just want to let the record show in real life. No, no, I, was like, I, I was like, yo, let's just, let's just see if he responds. And he responded, and, and yeah, we got, yeah, we got a, a, a classic episode done, man. So appreciate you. Thank you. So a lot of people know your story. And, um, but really, you just told us, like, real estate, you're so passionate about real estate because you said it saved your life. How did real estate save your life? Yeah, real estate was the first um, legal conduit, legal vehicle that I saw where I could come out of uh, South 10th and Springfield in Newark, New Jersey, 3rd and Center Street in Somerville, New Jersey, as a 10-year uh, dope boy, three-time felon, two and a half years in prison, no college education, but who wanted to do something well with his life. Mm -hmm. Real estate was the first thing that saw me. You can make those six and seven-figure checks legally and offer so many opportunities um, just within business. So whether it be through investing, wholesaling, um, realtor, loan officer, mortgages, et cetera, I really engulfed myself in a business coming off the street corner. Um, and it was the first thing that showed me that I could use my talents, my gifts, my hustle, my swag, and all that in a different space and still be successful. Yeah, I really like your story a lot because it's like a lot of times people, I always say like, Use your talent for the wrong things. Yep. Yeah. A lot of times in our community, unfortunately, it's like people is very talented, right? And it's like, but you might use that talent to be a criminal, and we know where that's headed. But you use that your talent to be a criminal, but you reversed course, yeah. and now you're using that talent to be an entrepreneur, a businessman, thing of that nature. So I always like to just encourage, especially young people, because it's like a lot of times people feel like it's too late. Yeah. And like you said, you, you have two felonies on your record, but that didn't stop you from becoming who you are now. Yeah, I think it's all about, um, and I listen to your podcast and all the amazing entrepreneurs who are spitting so much game on this couch and just, not even through your podcast, excuse me, through the EWL experience. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? It's not a podcast, no more, it's an experience. Um, but in listening to that, I always think about, and even in my own lectures, I'm just a get it done kind of guy. And so, so I think about 
us all defining what our desired destination is, like mm -hmm. where the hell we want to be in life. Mm -hmm. And then us finding that route, those directions to that desired destination. So it, for me, it doesn't matter when we start, what age we start, what kind of educational background we have when we start, how much finances or credit we have when we start. Mm -hmm. It's all about where you end up at the end of the day and what are you willing to sacrifice and endure to get to your de desired destination. So, so for me, coming out of feeling like the odds were against me, um, get, coming into the real estate industry at 25 years old, not need, knowing even how to send an email at 25. Like I had no even clue how to send an email that was not a skill that we taught on the corner. Um, but to become, get into this industry and over the last uh, 15, 20 years to be able to amass some of the success that we've had is, is really just a show of um, my endurance because there's been ups and downs. There's been success and, and millions made. There's been bankruptcies, foreclosures, short sales. There's been all the hurdles of entrepreneurships. But for me, it was always about endurance and, and really approaching this as a marathon and not a sprint. And so at the end of the day, it's not about where we start or what we go, go through. It's all about how we end the race. So, you, I mean, you started from Jersey, obviously, um, but you chose the great city of Atlanta. Yeah. But why, why Atlanta, of all places? Black people. <laughs> Black people. <laughs> now, I, I, I literally, um, I was telling a story. My wife and I were in Beverly Hills yesterday talking to a, a film producer, and they were asking me different, you know, uh, kind of like this interview about story parts of my life. And I was explaining how I moved our, our, our companies, Morrison Group of Companies, um, to, from, from New Jersey to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And it's when I had my corner class tour where I teach on the streets, on the corner with a flip chart, right? Big crowds like this, but literally outside on a block. And I held one across from Busy Bee in Atlanta on the west side. Um, and like 90 people showed up, right? And it was a pretty big turnout. It was like my second corner class ever. This is like three, four years ago. And... The day I was uh, sitting in a parking lot, dropping my business partner off, I was saying to him, like, yo, bro, I think my movement will go well in, in Atlanta. And the word that I said, the, the moment I said the word movement, somebody from across the parking lot was like, yo, Jay Morrison, that's you. I respect your movement, bro. Keep it going. And so I looked at my man. We in a, we in a, a convertible. We outside the Marriott and Buckhead. And he like, know what you got to do, right? I'm like, yo, I got to bring my, my energy, my, my passion, my purpose here to the city really in hopes to change the culture and really to show like, you know, pop culture and, and urban culture is really spearheaded from Atlanta right now. Like yeah, this, no, absolutely, absolutely. Atlanta influences everything. It's, Let's it's, keep it real. It's, it's the Mecca. Yeah, it's the Mecca, right? right? Sure. It's black yeah, Mecca. Definitely, definitely. So I was like, where better to show the world, to show our culture what a, 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 a selfless black man looks like, a servant leader, what that looks like where you could be successful, be an entrepreneur, but still, you can swag out and do all the cool things you want to do, <laughs> yeah. but still love your people, still drop your ego, still love your wife, still call your, your, your brothers kings, still call your women queens, and just live kind of at a, what I call rich, rich. Really, really live at a higher frequency than what we're used to in the culture, where we're constantly suffering in self-degradation, we're constantly blowing money fast. I believe in blowing money slow, nice. right, and building wealth for our heirs. So it's like, how do we bring a new message to the culture of, of what's cool and what it looks like to be cool in the culture, but but to, to elevate and raise our frequency. So let me ask you this. Let's talk real estate, because um, that's what you do. That's what you be became famous for. So, so one of the things I, I didn't ask you on the podcast, but I actually saw on your, your, your Instagram page, a lot of people here might be interested in real estate, and the number one hurdle a lot of times is like funding, right? But you talked about JVs, which is joint ventures, right? And you spoke about like different ways of like how even if you don't necessarily have money or a lot of money, you can still use JVs as a way to fund real estate. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so uh, a fancy name 
for JVs or joint ventures is called deal syndications. And syndications and, and real estate development, when you look at the difference between a real estate investor and a real estate um, developer, the only difference is a real estate developer is the organizer of a real estate investment, right? So a real estate investor invests his or her money into a project and hopes to make some kind of profit. A real estate developer or syndicator organizes a real estate transaction and hopes to make a profit. So a lot of us get stuck on the, I don't have the credit, I don't have the money, I don't have the experience, I don't have the time, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. In order to own assets and accumulate some wealth for my heirs through real estate investing. But as you get more hip to the industry and more hip to what our counterparts have been doing for years that we're not knowledgeable of, is, is simply, if you don't have the credit, then you link up with a credit partner. If you don't have the cash, do you link up with a capital partner? If you don't have the experience, do you link up with an experienced partner? Somebody's been in the game doing it more years than you. Same thing if you don't have the time. You link up with somebody that could be an operational partner that has the time. So you can literally, without cash, without credit, whatever your deficiency is, if you have the knowledge base, which you have to know something about the business, yeah. right? If you got the strategy and the knowledge base, you literally could put together multi-million dollar deals with people who have cash who are looking for a better place to park their cash. Yeah. People that have credit who brag about their 780 and 800 credit scores, but ain't got 800 in the bank, yeah. right? How do you use your credit to build more wealth? That, well, you link with those people and create deal syndications. I'm glad you said it because you, you brought up credit and that's another hurdle that people have. And I think, I, I like what you wrote down. You had like the four R's of credit, right? Yes. It was repair, let me see if I get it right. Repair, rebuild, restore, recycle. Yes, sir. I got it right? Yes, sir. All right, how do we use credit and leverage it in real estate. Yeah, so the first thing about using credit in general um, is that we have to adopt a kind of a different mindset about credit. As a community, we're too emotional about credit. And we don't understand that there's $230 trillion of credit in the world and only 50 trillion of cash, coins, and currency. So money is not what runs the world. Credit, debt, and leverage is what's running the world. But we be so emotional about it is that we love the good profile, the good score, but are scared to leverage that score to go buy more assets. But why we teach the four R's is because when you, when you adopt the mindset that your credit really don't mean shit, all it is is a tool for you to go try some shit, and if it don't work, to be able to do it again on the recycle tip, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what we teach at the J. Morrison Academy and Legacy Center about credit is that we all need to become, here's your, here's your bad class for how you always get on your feet, no matter where you're at in life, right? Bounce back all the time. One is understanding the power of personal credit and what you got to do and know to always build, to rebuild, restore, or repair your personal credit. But then understand the power of family credit, making sure your significant other, your wifey, your, your husband, that, that they're on, they own game and their credit right, as well as your siblings, as well as your daughters. Like my daughter's 20 years old in college, mm -hmm. but we've been building her credit since 15 years old. Right. She got a 780 score but is in position for business funding at any time we need to activate her into the family businesses. Right, this ensures you never, I can't promise I'll never go broke. But I can promise you for a fact I'll never stay broke. Right, because powerful, I know powerful. too much in how I set my, 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 my plays up. So outside of your personal credit, mm -hmm. your family credit, yep. then you can build business credit. Right, so business credit you can leverage and then credit partners. So if we all approach credit from a position of, yo, credit is just there to use as some paperwork, to give us opportunities to buy franchises, to get business funding, to buy real estate, and do the things we wanna do. God forbid it don't work out, 
My credit could be repaired, rebuilt, restored, and recycled, but in the meanwhile, my next family member's up next for their next business. Can, can my you, next credit partner's up next. Can you explain that? How, how does one go about getting credit partners? How does that even, how does that look? Credit partners is all about you being able to offer some kind of value in a relationship between you and someone that has a healthy credit profile. So your value may need to be that you need to be able to evaluate a real estate play, evaluate a business play, evaluate some kind of opportunity because someone having a healthy credit score, because your credit score is good, I know it feeds your ego. That doesn't mean that your kids can eat off that. Right? It doesn't mean you can pass that 800 score onto your heirs. Mm -hmm. But if you can leverage that 800 score to go buy a 80-unit apartment building or 8-unit apartment building or, you know what I'm saying, yeah. or get business funding for a new app or new franchise idea, now you're putting your credit to work with very little risk because the fact of the matter is, if you get someone to extend you $8,000 in credit, $80,000 in credit, or $8 million in credit, mm -hmm. if you default on that loan, the same thing's gonna happen no matter if it's $8 million or $80,000. They're gonna send you a letter in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> we need the money back. That's it. <laughs> Credit score dropped. <laughs> Nobody pulling up on you. Ain't no, they ain't kicking down your door. Whether it's eight million or eighty million or eighty thousand, King, all they gonna do is send you a letter in the mail. You gonna say, "Look, I tried my best. It didn't happen. Repair, restore, recycle. Wifey, you up next? <laughs> Throw in the game." <laughs> Nah, that's powerful too because a lot of times, like I heard you say on, on Instagram where it's like with credit, especially us growing up, we feel like if we mess up our credit, we done for life. Oh, we're done. It's never a lifetime sentence. Right, it ain't and no credit hell. Like, oh shit, I fucked my credit up, I'm going to hell. Like, <laughs> like nah, ain't no credit purgatory. My life like, is over. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can like literally, it doesn't even like, you know, um, you know, it's public record. I filed yeah. a chapter seven bankruptcy. My, I had foreclosures, I had, I had debt and all that. But it didn't stop me from still building a deca-million-dollar, you know, real estate and business, you know, empire. So your your credit score doesn't matter. It's really a knowledge base. Your knowledge base is the biggest deficiency you can have. If you got the knowledge, you can always pull together the credit and the capital. What's your What's your thoughts on? Um, because so, all right, people was always saying like the the the, the next recession is happening, right? Oh, it's yeah. not happening yet, but it's gonna happen soon. And a lot of times with real estate, it's like, you know, it's, it's very popular now to take money out of your home and buy a new home. Um, but that's kind of a dicey situation if the market crashes and then you just kind of get left holding a couple different mortgages. So what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, when it, when it comes to this phase of the real estate market, what I believe is the market will correct itself. It will have some kind of crash or correction. And when that correction happens, what it is is banks are going to stop loaning money so leniently. Interest rates will likely go up. And it's going to be harder and harder to get that home buyer loan or that investor loan. So when it's harder for people to buy, or excuse me, it's harder for people to get finance or buy real estate, what do they end up doing? They can't buy. They rent, mm -hmm. right? So for all those looking to invest in real estate, understand that when this market corrects itself, the landlords will win. So right now, our focus is on multi-unit housing, multi-family apartment buildings, because we know that whether it be a year, 18 months, or three years from now, when this market corrects itself, folks won't be able to go get that loan for that you know, FHA so easily, so easily, and so more people will be renting. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we want to put ourselves in a position to be a landlords and you know, apartment unit owners. So when folks can't get that mortgage, we'll be the ones there to collect their rental application. Well, what's the landscape here in Atlanta, specifically for multifamily homes, or, or, or like what you're speaking of? Are, are there an abundance here, and, and can people who are in this room invest it? Like, what, what does it look like here in Atlanta? 
Yeah, so there's super opportunities for, um, there, there's a, a lower pool of investors for multi-unit housing, particularly 10 units, 25 units and better. Mm -hmm. um, you have you know, more of a, a, a pool of inventory. Um, but even within that, and here in Atlanta, when it comes to those who are in the residential market, uh, my advice is don't get into those bidding wars, right? Like you shouldn't be buying off the hype of social media or the hype of the news or the hype of, of the market. When sellers are getting multiple offers, it's a seller's market. Identify that and bow out gracefully. Take your ass from West Atlanta where everybody got seven contracts on one property <laughs> and go an hour and a half down the road to Mobile, Alabama. We get a property for 20000 $30,000 instead of competing for a $120,000 or $170,000 property that used to be seventy grand two, three years ago. Stop buying into the hype to say like, oh, I bought on the West Side yeah. and now I'm in you're, Atlanta. You're, you're cashing investors out three times what they even anticipated on appreciation when you can go into another market that isn't as, as much demand. So it's back to old school, buy low, sell high. But if you're, in, if you're competing against a seller's market, you ain't buying low. Mm. So you're not putting yourself in position for equity or for any kind of you know, future turnover. So the multifamily market adds uh, opportunity to that or you buying in a residential market but not buying in a city where there's so much demand. Right now it's for the sellers to cash out the, the foolish buyers will buy now in this market. The smart buyers will either hold their cash, get in a higher level multifamily apartments, or they'll go into other B markets where there's more inventory. We talk about the Tulsa Real Estate Fund. All um, day. And um, yeah, you just, <laughs> you, just, you just opened the Legacy Center, right? The yeah. Black House. What, what, the Black what, House. What, what, what is that? What's the Legacy Center? Who knows center? about the Legacy Center? Make some noise. You heard about the Black House. We got a visit, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, um, about 18 months ago, we were able to do a really historic thing, a thing that we're really proud of. Um, it's something for our ancestors, and that was to take this fund called the Tulsa Real Estate Fund, which is code word for Black Wall Street of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we were able to launch an SEC-regulated Regulation A Tier 2 real estate crowd fund, which simply means we were able to go public with our company and offer shares of our company to the general public at $50 per share, minimum 10-share investment. And so over the last 18 months, we were able to raise nearly $8.5 million of cash uh, from over 9,700 investment partners. Yeah. Powerful. So group economics, we have over 9,700 partners in our company who own shares of our company. And with that fund, not only were we able to participate in multifamily housing, like our 98-unit apartment complex in Macon, Georgia, our 14 units in Lake Charles, Louisiana, seven units in New Orleans, Louisiana, et cetera, but we were also able to purchase and develop in East Point, Georgia, five minutes from the airport, right in the Opportunity Zone, what we call the Legacy Center, a.k.a. the Black House, co-founded by my wife and myself. Uh, it's a 30,000 square foot Class A commercial building. It's a co-working space. It's a training space. It's an educational space. It's, we're going to have, uh, in phase two this summer, we're going to have our media space and studios rolling out. And it's also a financial resource center. So you guys see, I got my LegacyCenterTaxes.com. <laughs> well, at the Legacy Center, not only are we offering real estate consultations and coaching and home ownership uh, advice, et cetera, we're offering credit services, business funding, life insurance. And who here is um, uh, going to be filing taxes this year, 2020? Who here is following they, they with the people? better raise that, huh? 
Uh, hopefully all y'all. They better raise that. Well, head. for our business owners and for our wage earners, we do offer tax preparation services with, with certified licensed CPAs and certified tax preparers. You go to LegacyCenterTaxes.com to get your taxes done virtually at the Black House. Can we just talk about the education piece? Because yeah. obviously I'm coming from a background in education. Uh, the Legacy Center, are we teaching your classes? Are we having after-school programming? Are we having tutoring? What, what's happening in the education space on side? I mean, this is our house, man, so we do what Without, we want. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this ain't one of the commercial buildings. You got to go to somebody <laughs> else and ask permission. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? This, this is our building. We do what we want. We definitely got to bring the earn your leisure experience there. Um, we're going to be offering all types of like curriculum and trainings where you can, you can actually, like, if you guys want to come down, you can teach something. If you want to do it from New York, we got the live smart TVs and webcams. You can zoom in and teach classes virtually. But the whole goal is, like, to give us a Black Wall Street headquarters, right? It's cool to hashtag Black Wall Street, but what does it look like in real life? So what it looks like is a 30,000 square foot building on a 2.6 acre campus owned by over 9,700 people, uh, mostly who look like you. Absolutely. And a building that offers financial resources, the trainings, and all that we need to really uplift ourselves. So yeah, it, it's, it's our building. Um, it's co-working for anyone in Atlanta Metro. You want to co-work with us? We have a monthly membership. Give you access to our state-of-the-art building, cafe, training room, conference rooms. Or if you're someone that wants to come in on a Saturday or on our weekend classes and get a business or real estate class, you'll get all that at LegacyCenter.com. You'll see our life insurance, tax services, all that at LegacyCenter.com as well. That's a lot going on. Uh, There's yeah, a, yeah. a lot going on. Jay. We got a lot of issues we got to solve. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. Big too. issues need big solutions. That's a fact, man. Nah, appreciate you, man. Appreciate you for rocking with us again. Like I said, you pitched a double header you last month, two months ago, and then you came back. And we're going to do some stuff together for sure. We, we need got to. We need to, to. We need to do something. Yeah, absolutely. Legacy. I just want to just visit, but we got to, you know, let's, let's team up and do something. They ready for the turn up? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. All right, bro. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you, guys. Make sure you follow us at Mr. J. Morrison on all socials, Mr. J. Morrison. McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply. Not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon.